Hi there, I'm Heidi Dove. There are a lot of ways to engage with us, but I wanted to take a moment today to thank you for listening here on the Harrisonburg Nazarene Church podcast. Also, you can now search for a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcast. For more about the church, please check out our website, abeaconofhope.org. You can also catch us live on Facebook each Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Lastly, we would love to invite you to our upcoming Christmas Eve services on December 24th at 4.30 and 6 p.m. We would love to have you at one or both of these services. Hey church, Merry Christmas. My name's Adrian, and if you are new or visiting in the room, we are pumped that you showed up today. Uh, thanks for showing up, and thanks for inviting those around us, church family, as we're leaning in uh, during this season. It is Christmas, and His light has come, and uh, I'm so grateful. This morning, we're going to continue in our series called Here Comes Heaven, and I want to begin with a topic or an idea this morning that will sound outdated to many. I'm at this unique stage of my life where some people think I'm young, and some people think I'm old, and so maybe I'm fooling everybody or no one, but there's these things in my life that I remember that some of the like more seasoned people in the room really remember, and some of the young people in the room have no idea what I'm talking about, so I'm about to introduce one of those things. Remember, remember these old school things called maps? I'm not talking about on your iPhone. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this like archaic, remember, the paper thing, and it would have about 72 folds in it, and you would open it once, and you would never be able to put it back. The exact, some of you are nodding. Some of you have no idea. Just find somebody that looks a little more seasoned. Ask them later. Um, they may have one of these artifacts sitting somewhere in their home. But remember these things like I'm just old enough that I remember the road trip maybe as I was a kid, and opening that, and it's like, oh no, we're off this map, hand me the other one, and you got to put that one all back, you got to get out the other one because we've reached over this map, and you remember what I'm talking about? Some of you are nodding, some of you have no idea, but you're right, so I got that, and the truth is about me, I'm terrible with directions, terrible. I have earned uh, this from Lauren. Anytime we're going somewhere, I've earned this question from her. Anytime we go somewhere, she'll ask, do you know where we're going? And I'll say yes. And she will always follow it with, are you sure? And, and I could get hurt by that, but I've earned the right to be asked that question each and every time because I'm just terrible with directions. And so I remember the days, like I'm old enough, I remember needing to go somewhere and having to write out the directions, you know, and like put it on sticky notes all over the, you know, and they get I have no idea, and I get lost and all over. So I was very grateful when this new technology showed up on my life called a GPS. And I remember, uh, I think we were early married when my mother-in-law gave me this gift. And it was one of these units, some of you have still seen them. You kind of plug it into your outlet in your car, and it suction cups to your dashboard. And how we were able to develop the technology, I mean, it's remarkable that this little box can tell me where I'm going, how fast I'm going, where I need to go. But we could not develop the technology to get that suction cup to stay to my dashboard, right? Because no matter, I would lick it and put it up there. And no matter what I did, five times every trip, the thing would fall down. And But I remember those days. And now we've got them on our phones and whatever, watches and all over that. But I was so grateful for that because the beauty of that is no matter where I needed to go, I just put it in and it would tell me the fastest way to get from here to there. But there's this moment, if you're using a GPS 
and there's this moment where you're driving, and every now and then this will happen, whether it's like a new construction or a new road or an area, and you're driving somewhere, and you're looking, and your little car thing is moving along the road. You shouldn't really be watching that. You should be watching the real road, but you know what I'm talking about. Your car's moving, and you make this turn, and suddenly it's like your car is no longer on a road. It's just out here in outer space, kind of scooting along, and it, everything's freaking out, you know, and it's just recalculating, recalculating. Recal- it has no idea. To do, it's like you, some, and you've been there, right? Or you take some turn and you miss, and now it's trying to get you back on course, and it's just recalculating, recalculating, and it's trying to, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's kind of unnerving moment in time. Well, we've been in the midst of a series where we're talking about our roadmap and our journey and the journey that we're on, and sometimes the wrong turn, sometimes the recalculating, sometimes the moment when we're on our journey from point A to point B, and we experience interruption. We experience obstacles. We experience, because the reality is, is the story of Christmas is the story of interruption. Everyone in this story, if you were here last week, we, we talked about this, everyone in this story that we're reading this Christmas season was interrupted. Their lives were interrupted because of the coming of Jesus. And if you were here last week, we talked about this truth. In fact, we challenged ourselves to think of interruptions differently, that your greatest interruption may be your greatest opportunity. And I know from some conversations that I had this past week, some of us are really leaning into that. Some of us are really wrestling with that idea of that uh, an interruption may be an opportunity For God, in the midst of your journey, in the midst of the recalculating that you're experiencing. And today, we're going to take a step further into this journey and look at another character. Another character in this story who's being interrupted because here comes heaven. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, that's where we're going to be today. Uh, There are four gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Mark's gospel doesn't really contain any narrative about the birth of Christ. John's gospel, just a a few short sentences that kind of begin. So really, this time of the year, if you're wanting to dive deep into the birth of Christ, you're really going to be in Matthew or Luke. And so we've been in Luke. Uh, We'll be there again next week. But for this week, we're going to jump into Matthew's gospel. And Matthew's gospel is unique in in that it really glances over a pretty prominent character in the story that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. And that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Who, who I cannot imagine the interruption that Mary experienced in the Christmas story. But Matthew's gospel doesn't spend a lot of time on Mary. In fact, uh, they're going to mention it briefly in the passage that we're going to look at, but instead focuses on another character, Joseph, who would be the father of Jesus. And so today, as we dive in to verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, let's read and listen and understand how Joseph's life was interrupted for God's glory. Let's read, uh, starting with verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's the account we get of Mary, and now the rest of this encounter is about Joseph. And because Joseph, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I'm going to pause for a minute and ask a question that I've asked many times when I read this. This is confusing to me. Maybe I'm the only one, but it says that they were engaged. It says that they were pledged to one another, but yet now Joseph has in mind to divorce her quietly. It doesn't make sense why if they're not married yet, is Joseph considering divorce? 
That's a good question. In fact, to understand that, I had to understand a little bit of the context of the Jewish understanding of engagement and marriage. Jewish engagement really had three kind of separate phases. The first was engagement, and that would happen much differently than it would happen in today's culture, where the man kind of makes the plan and gets down on the knee. and it makes, right, right. As In Jewish culture, that would happen as kids. It would be like parents saying, hey, your daughter's cute. My son's cool. What if we, you know, some parents wish we could still do that, right? Uh, I, I don't raise your hands. But, you know, we, we get that idea. Like early on, you would kind of say, yeah, you're committed to her she, and you're going to be married. And they would kind of know from an early age or they would hire a matchmaker. Matchmaker. If you know the musical Fiddler on the Roof, matchmaker, matchmaker, right? That was a real thing that happened. We're at an early age. Sorry for my terrible musical reference, but it's true. That, that's what would happen at a young age is that they would be kind of committed that, oh, you would know that you're engaged, you're committed to this person. In the second phase, though, that would happen is much later in life. And it would come when the opportunity for the man and the woman would want to decide, am I really okay with this? Is this really going to happen? Am I really going to commit myself beyond just engagement? And that process was called betrothal. And that process, if both people kind of agreed then the engagement would kind of be ratified. It would be a commitment, and at that point, you would be considered husband and wife. Even though you didn't have the official rights of a husband and wife, at that point in time, for the next year until your actual marriage, you were committed as husband and wife. And the only way that that agreement was legally binding, the only way you could get out of it was to seek a divorce. And so it's at that stage in the process that Mary and Joseph are. They're not just engaged, but they're, they're betrothed, they're committed. And at this point, the only way to get out of it is a divorce. And so that's why, as Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, he, he seeks a divorce. I want you to picture for a minute, before we continue to read on, I want you to picture what Joseph must have felt. This is, uh, for all we know, Joseph was a, a simple carpenter, and Mary there's nothing exceptional about her, but they have planned their life together. And at this point, uh, Joseph has committed that you're going to be my wife. I'm going to spend my life with you. And now she is pregnant. And that, that may have a little bit of stigma to us, but to them, that, that was seen as adultery. And so now he's committed in marriage to a woman who's seen as adulteress. And, and so it's easy to kind of read through the story and not understand. But in that moment, what would you have felt? How would you have felt with your dreams, your plans, disrupted, crushed? It doesn't make any sense. And so Joseph has in mind to divorce her quietly, which would be seen as a compassionate act towards her. She could be stoned to death for doing such a scandalous thing. So in this moment, he's doing what he sees as a compassionate thing, to divorce her quietly, to not bring further shame on her, and to hopefully avoid extra criticism for himself. So it's in this moment in this time, under these circumstances, that here comes heaven. As Joseph experienced what we'll call today the dream. So let's continue reading verse 20. After Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. We'll come back to that in a minute. From the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the angel appears. Talk about an interruption. 
talk about uh, Joseph had his plan. He had his course set out from A to B and talk about recalculating, right? In this moment, everything in Joseph's plans are being disrupted and the angel comes and says, oh, Joseph, you, you had your plans, but God has something else in mind. Here comes heaven. It's important to understand what the Jews would have understood about the Holy Spirit. We understand through the New Testament a very different understanding of, of the Holy Spirit, but throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was seen as intimately involved with creation. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, in the creation account, it says, before anything was created, the Spirit of God hovered over the water, hovered over the space, that the Spirit of God was there. And so because of that, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was always seen as intricately involved in creation. Even uh, in Ezekiel, throughout the Old Testament, Ezekiel 37, we see that the Spirit of God is also associated with the breath of God. And so we see in Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones, and, and that the Spirit of the Lord, the breath of God, breathes on the dry bones. And, and so it's not just associated with creation, but also recreation. And that's important because Joseph is being told, this is not just a child, this is not just, no, this is from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Creation, recreation of God is happening now in your midst. And you are to give him not just any name, no, you're to give him the name Jesus. Jesus literally means God saves. That will be the name, Jesus the Christ. Let's continue reading verse 24, probably the most significant verse we could read today. Probably a verse that you could glance over this Christmas season. I wouldn't if I were you. I would find a way to highlight it. I would find a way to keep this verse in front of you because in the midst of all Joseph is experiencing, in the midst of the road bumps and the wrong turns and the recalculating, look at what it says in Matthew 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You see, this morning, why does this matter? Why does Christmas matter? You're here this morning, some of us, and we're familiar with the traditions, and maybe you've been doing this for a while, and maybe uh, today you're invited here and you're not even sure what Christmas is all about. Why would we take a, a focus throughout this series on Here Comes Heaven? It's because you and I... You and I had a very clear course of direction in our life, that you and I were headed down a path. We were headed down a road, and it was not a great path. It was not on our own, the mission, the path, the roadmap to my life. I'm not even going to talk about you for a minute. I'll just talk about me. The roadmap to my life was headed for destruction, that it was hopeless, that I was a mess, and I, I was hopeless. And the roadmap of my life was headed towards a life of selfishness and sin and brokenness and despair. And the reason that Christmas mattered is because God intervened into my plan, into my mess, onto my map. And there was a major recalculation happening there because God knew that I needed a Savior. On my own, I'm not good enough. I could never be good enough to overcome sin, to overcome the selfish nature that I have within me. But Jesus came at the fullness of time, the scripture says, Jesus came to interrupt our plan, to interrupt our journey to come. And through Jesus, we find salvation and hope of the world. That's why Christmas matters. And, and I pause to say that because each and every one of us have been interrupted. And that's what the Christmas story is about. That Jesus didn't just interrupt history. He interrupted people's lives. And sometimes, 
sometimes when he breaks in, he breaks in just how we thought. Some of you in the room could testify to that. You, you were in need. You had a, a moment where you really needed something, and God showed up exactly how you thought he would, exactly how you prayed, exactly how you needed him, in the moment, at the time, and you said, yeah, that's God. He showed up. Woo, here comes heaven. But there are others in here today. And it's not how, it's not, it doesn't make sense. It's not how the roadmap was laid out for you. You had a course set from A to B, and God shows up, and everything is disrupted. Everything is interrupted. Nothing makes sense. Sometimes God shows up, and it's, it, we've learned in the scripture, as we've read these past couple weeks, God shows up, and it's surprising, maybe a little bit confusing, but what if, in Joseph's case, God shows up, and it's shameful, it's not just confusing, it's crushing. What you're asking me to do, God, makes no sense. This is not my plan. This is not, I cannot conceive how I can get from here to there. And this is confusing to me, God. And have you ever been there in your life? Where the plan that you're on is disrupted and you can't make in left to right, up to down. You don't understand where God is and how he can be in the midst of this. Man, Joseph had to have felt that way, didn't he? This morning, I, I want you to know a truth. And God is bringing us through this series and, and over these past few weeks and even these months through a series where I think is really challenging us. And I'm not even totally sure this morning who this is for, but I think some of us in the room are leaning in and listening because you need hope today. And you are on the journey, the course that you have set for your life, and today it feels totally disrupted. It feels totally chaotic. You're not even sure which way you're going anymore. You're not sure if God's in it, if he's not. And you're here today just trying to make sense of it all. And today the truth I want you to know is that sometimes what you have planned isn't what God has purposed. That sometimes what it is that you have planned in your life and the course that you've set out for is not what God had purposed. Say, prove that, man. Look at Joseph's life. He was a righteous man. He, he was a righteous man. This is what we know about Joseph. He, he was righteous. His capacity to love overwhelmed he, the temptation to fear and dread. That he was open. He was open to hearing from God. But ultimately, the thing that mattered most in Joseph's life was that he was willing to obey. He was willing to take his plan, which well, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing sinful, there was nothing selfish that we know of, of the plan of Joseph, but he was willing to lay that plan aside for God's greater purpose in his life. Right? Because sometimes the thing that you have planned, the thing that I have planned, is not what God has purposed. Isn't that what the Christmas story is really all about? That God is, is intervening. He's breaking in into our plans. And, and sometimes our plans are not good plans. Sometimes the plan for your life is leading towards a path of destruction, but sometimes the plan in your life, there's nothing wrong with it. You're saying, man, God, I was following you. I was obeying you. Like Joseph, I was a righteous man honoring you. And, and why, God? Why would you come and disrupt? Why would you come and bring chaos in the midst of my life, in the midst of my journey? I think the question today, those are good questions. Questions that I, I have asked many times in my life when I'm experiencing a wrong turn, when I'm experiencing a recalculating moment on the journey of my life. But the question today is not, will it be easy? 
The question today is not, will it be convenient? The question is not, will it make sense? The question that each of us have to answer today is, will I obey? In the midst of the circumstances I'm facing right now, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of, I can't see how point A is going to lead to point B. I can't make sense. I don't know if God, if you're in this, or I, I can't tell from my left or from right. I, I feel hopeless. I feel afraid. I feel scared. Maybe I feel temptation to be, wherever you are today, we could ask all the questions and I get it. And I, God gets it. He understands. But today, the most important question we have to ask in the midst of the circumstances that you and I face today is the most important question that Joseph had to ask. Will I obey? Will I obey? And that's the powerful truth of Matthew chapter 1, that it says Joseph woke up and did what the angel commanded him to do. In spite of circumstances, he didn't have clarity. He didn't really understand. You know, no one else in Joseph's life had the dream that he had. Oh, Mary, of course, God showed up to her, but, but think about Joseph's family. Think about his friends. Think about the people that for months would say, Joseph, seriously? Seriously, the Holy Spirit's baby? Is this the best you could come up with, man? Joseph, you got the rest of your life and you're throwing it away for her? Imagine the months and months of criticism that he would face. But ultimately, Joseph decided, the purpose of God is greater than my plan. Even when he didn't understand it, even when he couldn't see it, he trusted in a purpose that was greater than his plan. Sometimes, what you have planned isn't what God has purposed. Some of you are here today and you're saying, man, I'm not, I'm not at all like Joseph. I'm not a righteous person. That my life today, some of the mess that I'm experiencing is because of the destruction I've caused, some of the selfishness decisions I've made, some of the habits and the things that I've turned to instead of God. And so today, there is no way, there is no way that God can have a greater purpose in this roadmap that I'm driving on. There's no way that God can use this dead end for his glory. Well, man, over these past few weeks, over these past few months, in fact, in the month of November, we were in a series. It was called Flip the Script, and it was about the fact that who our God is, the nature of who our God is, is he is a redeemer. That, that's what he does. He takes the most broken things in our lives, the most painful things in our lives, the things that the enemy would want to use to destroy you, even the consequences of sin, that sometimes there are things in our lives that are happening right now because of our own destructive behavior and consequences. And each and every time, if we allow him, God can show up in the midst of that and use it for his glory, for his redemption, beyond our plan and for his purpose, if we will obey him. Today, maybe you find yourself in these stories, in these examples, maybe today, a girl who breaks up with me, and I think it's the end of the world, but God has someone infinitely more wonderful for me. Maybe that's you today. Maybe it's you that the doctor says, I'll never have children, but today I have four beautiful children. Maybe that's you. Maybe today you have lived a life sacrificing for others, and you feel like a failure, but now you are able to see the richness that God has grown around you the entire time. Maybe today, maybe today it was cancer and you were sure it would kill you, but now, 20 years later, here you are. Maybe today, maybe you destroyed your life with drugs and you deserve nothing, but God has redeemed you and given you new life. Maybe today, maybe today you were imprisoned by lust 
since you were a teenager, since you were young, and you were sure that you would never be free. You were resigned to a life of suffering and struggle, but now you are living in freedom and in hope. Maybe today, maybe today you wouldn't say your marriage is dead. Maybe you said it was numb, but today, today God has redeemed and he's changed you and now you're deeper in love than you've ever been. Maybe today you thought your time was over. Maybe you thought your dreams were dead. Maybe you thought God couldn't use you and now God is showing up and using you to make a difference in the life of others. When God intervenes into your mess, into your plans, into your brokenness, he has a purpose. If you can trust, the question is not, will it make sense? The question is not, will this be easy? The question the Christmas story begs of us is, will you obey? Joseph woke up. He did exactly what the angel commanded him to do today. Will you obey? Will you obey today in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of interruption, in the midst of pain, in the midst of feeling all alone, in the midst of wondering, God, where are you? Why would a good God allow fill in the blank? Today, the question in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your weeping, we serve a God who intervenes. We serve a God who breaks in and shows up. And today, are you willing to obey his voice, to obey his call? Not five years from now, not 10 years from now, but one step at a time, one foot after the other. Will you obey and experience the glory of the Lord? Today, would you stand to your feet? I just want to pray for you. I believe there's at least one person today that feels hopeless. I believe there's at least one person today that is gripped with fear. I believe there's one person today that comes in and they're not just confused, they're crushed. And today you've got all kinds of questions for God. Yeah, I do too. But today, the story of Christmas, the message of Christmas is that God shows up. God intervenes. We do not serve a God that stands far off from us, even in our pain. No, we serve a God who came, Emmanuel who comes. And today, I can't explain how. I don't have all the answers. But the question I have for you, the question God is asking of me is, will you obey? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to pray for you today. And today, if you just sense that you need hope, if you just sense today that you need some comfort in the midst of your confusion, if you sense today that the plan that you have laid, it makes no sense. Today, if you are willing to trust and obey his purpose, even beyond your plan, as I pray, would you just raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you today. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. But today, if that's you, and today, the things I've said, the words I've spoken, the message God has proclaimed, if it's resonating in your heart, and today, you, you want to reach out, not, not just for answers, but today for obedience. As we pray, would you just lift your hand? God sees you today. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. And today, if you will trust him, he will redeem. He will lead. He will intervene. He will show up. He will, in your plan, have a greater purpose if you will allow him today. God, today, around this room with hands raised, we are reaching out for you, God. We're reaching out for hope, not from just answers and not for clarity and not for our sake, God, but we believe today 
that the message of Christmas says that you are a God who shows up for us, that you are a God who intervenes into our mess. And so today, around this room, some of us, God, are reaching out to you. We don't have answers. We don't always understand, but today some of us in faith are saying, God, I'll obey you today. One step, one day, one breath, one moment. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but today I choose to obey you, and I believe, God, that you are good. I believe, God, that you love me. I believe, God, that you can redeem me. I believe, God, that my plan is never so broken. My map is never so far off course that you cannot come and redeem me for your purpose and for your glory. You're still a miracle-working God. Would you do it again today? We love you, and we welcome you now. Here comes heaven into our midst, into our broken story, into our lost journey. We love you and thank you that you are still Emmanuel. You are still Jesus, the one who saves. In your name we would ask. Amen. Thank you again for listening here today. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us at info at abeaconofhope.org. If you happen to be in the Harrisonburg, Virginia area, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and then at 11.45 a.m. for Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every week, Mondays at 6 p.m. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe in order to get updates and new episodes.